everybody. Thanks so much for stopping by another live episode of Real Estate Titans. I am your host, Greg Fowler, traveling throughout the marketplace, uh, gathering insight, inspiration from the top real estate professionals in our field, from realtors, brokers, lenders, builders, developers, residential or commercial. Um, essentially going through and gathering that insight, inspiration, really drives and motivates these top producers above and beyond everybody else in what I would like to consider a real estate titan. Our very special guest and featured titan for today, Dick Licardi. Dick, thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's my pleasure. So this is a really exciting episode. I know there's a lot of people out there that are really excited to get a different perspective, especially on the commercial end from you, Dick. So I guess let's just jump right into the series of questions to get to know you a little bit better, your background, your business, if that's cool. Sure. Yeah, I was uh, I was born in upstate New York, right. a town called Rochester. All right. My parents moved out to California when I was seven, and that's a result. And then, by the way, this story is repeated millions of times. My father was in the Marine Corps in World War II. <laughs> if you, um, on your way to the Pacific, because that's where the Marines were, okay. you got to stop in San Diego. <laughs> It was March of 1942 when my father was there. Wow. And he looked around and he saw sunshine, palm trees blowing in the wind. And he said, wow, if I ever make it back, this is a place I'd love to check out. Unreal. And so he went there to the war, came back in one piece, <laughs> went back to Rochester, New York. And within, uh, by 1955, okay. um, we were on a, a little station wagon heading out to Los Angeles, which is where I grew up. Okay. So I'm kind of an Eastern kid with a, a Western upbringing. I like best of both worlds. Yeah, right I there? think so. Yeah. We'll see. All right. It remains to be seen. <laughs> and my, you know, my primary background is in journalism, public relations, advertising, that sort of thing. Um, I, I, was a, I was a radio and television news anchorman for a number of years for some very small stations. Wow. Um, I, I, when we first moved to Colorado Springs from San Diego, we bought a job basically, which was a, the senior Beacon newspaper. Wow. And we grew that to be the largest senior publication in the nation, <laughs> and then we sold it uh, about eight years after we bought it. Wow. And um, along the way, I worked for San Diego's most hated corporation <laughs> as the media spokesman. Oh, so I know what they're going through in, in Washington, D.C., wow. um, know how you have to prepare for that sort of thing. Sure. Um, and I, I also work doing consulting for a firm that uh, works with America's, uh, some of America's top corporations, hmm. teaching executives how to handle media interviews. Unreal. Because of the hostility in this day and age, um, executives are just at their wit's end trying to figure out what to say and how to say it. Hmm. So I played the, the jerk uh, newsman, and I played it well. All right. Uh, and, I don't know if that's coming back out in here, Nick. But it that's, is. That's <laughs> but no, that that, that was a, a great time to see executives. Um, you know, here they come in with their twelve hundred dollars suits and, sure. and and think they're going to you know wing this interview. And boy, it's a good thing that the the interviews went into a tape recorder that they could look, uh, a video recorder, that they could look at afterwards mm -hmm. and see where they made their mistakes. Wow. And then the second time they do it, they're a lot more polished. Right. So that was kind of fun. I did okay. that for a while. Um, and then when I was in the media, I, you know, I realized that the only way to make money was really to go to one of about 10 disgusting cities that are run by machine 
politics. And um, wow, we were on the West Coast. I didn't want to go to those places. Plus, the bias at the time was so bad. I said, if I'm working in Phoenix or in Portland, Oregon, and the bias is so bad, I can imagine what the bias is like in these big cities. Wow. And by the way, this was in the 1970s. Hmm. So I decided after eight years to get completely out of that business. Okay. I, I looked back on my journalism degree and I said, I'm not going to use it anymore. Hmm. We moved to San Diego and I started selling suits for $3 an hour, no commission. Unreal. I and didn't know that, Dick. Okay. That's how I got the job at uh, San Diego's most hated corporation right. as the media spokesman. Okay. So, um, you know, that got me to uh, San Diego and, and we, we decided that we wanted to raise our children in the United States, so we moved to Colorado. Okay. And so, um, when we moved here, as I say, we, we bought, basically bought a job. But um, we moved at the height of the market, the real estate market in San Diego. Okay. So, my wife and I and our son were looking at 8,000 square foot houses. Hmm. And you know we had never lived in an eight thousand square foot house. That's a big house. So we so we got a, a two thousand square foot house and took the extra money and started putting it into commercial real estate. Okay. And so there are only four percent of commercial real estate brokers in the nation who actually own the product that they sell. Okay, and that and that's big. Not to cut you off there, yeah. But going into it, uh, could you address that uh, the difference between the residential and commercial for all the other uh, consumers that are out there? Because a lot of it times it gets lumped together. Um, and then also, what got you initially or sparked you to get into commercial? So well, we we um, commercial is quite a bit different than residential. Mm -hmm. For example, um, I tease my residential brethren because. Um, you know, everything with them is amazing kitchen or amazing or awesome home or awesome kitchen and amazing home. Sure. But in commercial, you're sort of dealing with people. It doesn't matter if the building is amazing. Right. It doesn't have a kitchen. So nobody cares if it's awesome or amazing. It's right. a very unemotional uh, decision. Uh, commercial buildings are sometimes bought sight unseen. Hmm. Um, we sell a lot to the West Coast. Okay. Um, they, 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 realize that if there are tenants in the building and the rain isn't leaking down on them, the building must be in decent repair. They're going to have an inspection in, in any case. But it, it's, if one is an emotional uh, business, the other one is absolutely dispassionate, unemotional. Okay. Sure. And so I like that part about it. Right. My, uh, my grandfather in upstate New York had started buying houses and putting uh, immigrants in there to use as rentals. And my, my father and his four brothers said often at midnight they were awakened and there were people, tenants, loading up trucks with the furniture. And there's my father pulling furniture off the truck. So we decided wow. we're not going to invest in residential. Okay, that's a great story, by the way. And so in commercial, people don't, um, if a tenant cannot make it, you know, they come to you and say, I can't make it. Sure. You write them a $50 check and wish them well. Mm -hmm. Nobody takes a sledgehammer to the toilets and right. wrecks the place and that sort of thing. Sure. And so I always say there's a, the difference between investing in residential and investing in commercial. Right. Uh, here are the differences. Okay. The uh, investment in a residential, uh, in a home or an apartment building, the, the tenants live in it 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. They have kids and they have pets. On the other hand, in commercial, eight hours a day, no kids, 
no pets. Wow. So right. that's why we chose chose that direction. Easy enough. And uh, it was a funny story. We were in Colorado Springs. I went to this guy asked me to go to this goofy multi-level presentation. And I was bored, and I got up and got a cup of coffee. Another guy was bored, and he got up and got a cup of coffee. And it turns out he was a commercial agent. Wow. He was down on his luck. It was 1992, <laughs> and Colorado Springs was really, it was called the, uh, the uh, foreclosure capital of the United States at the time. I did not know that. And we started talking. I bought my first three buildings from him. We used Austin Bluffs and Academy as our kind of guideline. Okay. We, we bought buildings in the Academy corridor. Wow. And so we got them at good prices at the time. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got into it. Now in this state, Colorado, you can own and lease commercial buildings without having a license. <laughs> so for seven years, I was just a commercial building owner. Wow. I had no license, not attached to any firm. And then finally I met a guy named Bob Off, okay. uh, who said if you ever, and he sold me a building, and he said if you ever want to get out of what you're doing, you can always come and join our firm. And Bob turns out was the dean of uh, commercial real estate brokers in Colorado Springs. Hmm. And so I joined his firm uh, shortly thereafter. Sure. Then I had to get the license, of course. Okay. So then after that, what was the progression to where you're at now and, you know, kind of wrapping up the, that timeline? Well, I started, uh, I decided that I did not want to be a specialist. Most people in, in the commercial real estate business specialize in either office, retail, um, industrial, or land. Okay. And I, I lived my life saying to myself that I wanted to gain as much knowledge about as many things as I possibly could. Wow. And so I did not specialize. Hmm. A little bit unusual. You can't become an expert right off the bat, okay. but after 25 years, you can become pretty knowledgeable in each of those four disciplines. This guy did it, by the way, just in case you guys are wondering, so that's great. Okay. Well, you know, I, I have a story that I'll, I'll tell you. It's a, I, was, um, I was a young kid in, in Tokyo, Japan, and I actually had a cousin I was visiting, and I was just back from Vietnam and footloose and fancy free. And so he sent me down on the bullet train from Tokyo to Osaka, Japan. 1970, there was a World Expo there. And at a World Expo, there's displays, um, exhibits by countries. Okay. And they're huge, huge displays, and they're trying to show off the benefits of being in that country, of doing business in that country. And so um, I was staying at the home of a girl that he, that my cousin had gone to college with hmm. while he was in Tokyo. And her, her family was fairly wealthy, I learned later. And they looked at me like I was a possible suitor for the daughter. And there's nothing worse for the Japanese, for the gaijin, which is the foreigner, hmm. to, to be after their daughter and trying to marry her. So that wow. when I sat down with them the first night for dinner, the father looked at me like this the whole time, very <laughs> suspicious. So it's interesting, the next morning, um, and, and I'll get to my point about learning as much as you can. Mm -hmm. I had played golf in high school, played golf since I was about eight years old. Wow. So I knew a little bit about golf. Right. Well, the Japanese were nuts about golf at the time. Mm -hmm. I, I came to the sliding glass door the morning after, and I saw the father in the backyard, and he had a wiffle ball, and he was practicing his golf swing. Soon he noticed that I was looking at him, mm -hmm. and he held up his grip as if to say, what do you think? 
because we couldn't speak each other's okay. languages. Sure. And I went outside and I and I moved his right thumb over just a little bit. Wow. That day he went out and won the tournament that he was practicing for. <laughs> That's so he right. blamed it on the foreigners. Advice. That's and, great. And we went. We were picked up the next morning in a chauffeur-driven uh, Mercedes mm -hmm. and taken to the expo, put into a golf cart, and driven around to all the exhibits in a golf cart. Wow. And so the moral of that story is that you never know when something you've learned in the past is going to be helpful. That's great. And of course, I didn't marry the girl. Came back to the United States with a with a great adventure of having been to a world expo, which they don't even hold them anymore. You know, that's sad, and, and obviously, Dick, you've been around for, for quite a while to see change and adjustment, not just into our markets, but on, on a global scale, and I think there's a lot of perspective there. Um, obviously, going into, you know, the, the real reason as to why you do what you do, I think a lot of people, it's good for them to hear that. So if you could break down your past career and to look at it thus far, what's your why, Dick? I mean, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What really motivates you to do what you do to the level you do it at? You know, I'm really old school, real old school. Love it. And so you're taught, I mean, you know, in those days, if you're a man, you get up in the morning, you go to work so that you can feed the mouths that you have at home. Sure. And that's still what drives me. Okay. Um, you know, it's, a, it's just a, a something inside you. Mm -hmm. Of course, loving what you do is really important. Right. And so it's so much fun. And work is so much fun. I know that work has gotten kind of a bad rap in the, in the last few years of people. People are not so certain that they want to work. Uh, I'm 71 and I'm still working and you know enjoying the heck out of it. I'll retire probably in four or five years. And, ah, don't say that. Don't say but that. I think it'll. I'll be. I'll just be too old. Uh, and I, you know, I, I don't want to be drooling in, in the middle of a contract <laughs> uh, signing. Good point. Good point. I don't know if anybody wants that, Dick. So that's fair. So that's really that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm trying to trying to feed my family. And I, I love that. And the perspective for a lot of people out there, I, I think to have that motivation for family and drive and also loving what you do matters. And, and I know that this adage gets thrown a lot, but if you find something you love, you don't work a single day in your life. Um, so I, I think that you've had that over your career and, and it shows the passion and what you've developed and built your reputation out in the marketplace, Dick, it's phenomenal. So that's really, really good to show. Um, so let's go into a, a slight different question when it comes down to giving a little bit of advice to maybe some uh, other potential commercial brokers, whether they're uh, new or seasoned or thinking about getting into the business or, or just some curious consumers. Uh, if you could look back at your career thus far and pick or choose one or two things that you added that took your business from one level to the next, what does that look like for you? Well, it's interesting. I, in the middle of the night, I, as you get older, you don't sleep as well. So I was watching a, a documentary on Emmett Smith, the running back from the Dallas Cowboys. And Emmett was excellent from high school through college through the pros. He has virtually all the records today. And a very humble guy. Mm -hmm. And he's a goal setter. And so one of the things is written goals. Okay. Um, his coach in high school told them they're just ideas mm -hmm. until you write them down and then they're goals. Mm -hmm. But his number one goal has always been uh, keeping Jesus Christ number one. Okay. And I can tell you that in my career, the day I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior mm -hmm. is the day when my wife, my life changed. My, my wife didn't change, she's the one who brought me to, to the Lord. Wow. But um, I believe that that, that, that certainty mm -hmm. that you know 
that if you believe this is where you will go. Sure. Um, you know, we, we took a, 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 a woman from Iraq to our church the other day. Mm -hmm. She understands the English language, okay. but sermons are more difficult to understand. But at the end of it, I said, what do you think? She said, that word certainty. She's a Muslim. She said, we don't have that word. You have a certainty that we and we don't. And I thought that was interesting. But I can tell you that people walk into my door, people call me on the phone, I have no idea how they ever got to me, why they called me. And so I credit my faith as being the most important thing. I love that. Preparation, obviously, is, is real important. Um, in the, in the television news business, I was known as someone who was really prepared. Love it. So nobody on the set could ever, you know, throw me because I was always prepared for the, ne the next thing. And that's just hard work. Mm -hmm. It's just knowing knowing the subject matter beforehand. Sure. Um, in the real estate business, you you know, gosh, you've got to know your marketplace and the people who do really well mm -hmm. in both residential and commercial in this town know their marketplace. They know the numbers, they know what the banks are lending at, they know how much you need these days for down payments on things. Right. And so it's it's um, a lot of preparation goes into virtually any job you have. Right. You're, you're in the business you're in and you're a very well-prepared guy as well. Thanks, Dick, yeah. I appreciate that. You know, flattery gets you everywhere. So uh, <laughs> when it comes down to that, there's tons of advice that I pick and choose out of there. And I absolutely love that. Talking about goal setting, uh, your faith, really uh, breaking it down for the fundamentals for everybody to know your craft and know it well. Be prepared. That's huge advice for anybody out there. It doesn't matter what business you're in or what you're looking at. That is huge stuff for everybody to take away. So hopefully everybody took some good notes on that. That was huge advice from Dick. So um, I really, really love that. And when it comes down to this next question, Dick, this is the challenge question. So when it comes down to it, we all have challenges in life. No one's perfect. Nobody has that graced life where nothing happens. But when it comes down to it, how we respond is really what matters and makes a difference. So if you could look at your life and pick one thing or challenge that you dealt with, that you overcame, that made you a stronger man because of it, what does that look like for you? Well, uh, probably two things. You know, moving from the East Coast to the West Coast, in about a year, my mom got homesick for the East Coast. Wow. So we trundled back to Rochester, New York. And then she realized that, wow, California was really pretty neat, and so we trundled back out to the West Coast. Right. And that was over a period of two or three years. But when you're seven, eight, nine, ten years old, you have friends here, then you have strangers that you meet here, and then you meet them and you try to make friends with them, and then you move back to a place and you start over in this place, and then you go back out there. So sure. I think it's it's helped. Um, that was that was a lonely time. Okay. It was a difficult time. Sure. And um, But what you do is, I think, a lot of people in sales mm -hmm. have these tough backgrounds like that. Right. And I don't mean mine, mine was so tough, but it was, you know, diff difficult making friends. You had to learn to think on your feet. You had to learn to be friendly, try to be friendly, and that sort of thing. And that was helpful. And then the uh, the other thing, which was important, was uh, we we had a corporation here um, where we had a staff accountant, and he embezzled us, and we had to file for corporate bankruptcy a long time ago. Wow. We had $927,000 in debt, and we paid every dime of it back. Wow. And that was a time when, I'll never forget, there were three of us in the household, we were able to deal with one car. Mm. Three jobs, one car. Oh, 
And what happens in that case? You improve your communication. Yeah. Because when you're when you're you know just dealing with one car, you don't know who's going to pick you up or when. Sure. I'll I'll never forget. I was a member of the Colorado Springs Country Club. Okay. And then I I took a job at Chili's mm -hmm. as a waiter. Oh, and some wow. of the, some oh. of the members of the country club would come into Chili's. Okay. And then they're looking at their menu, and then they look up and they, what are you doing here? <laughs> And so that's a humbling yeah. experience. Wow. Really humbling. Okay. And I'd have to tell him, this is what happened. I'm now trying to, you know, work for tips. Right. And so, um, you know, being in Vietnam was also helpful. Mm -hmm. um, in that, you face great, great hardships. Most people don't know what our military people go through in Afghanistan. They they, they simply can't imagine it. Great point. They can't imagine how difficult it is. And my wife teases me because I always say, you know, the line we had then was, what are, what are they going to do, cut my hair and send me to Nam? So <laughs> nothing could be worse. Wow. So, you know, what, you know, a real estate deal went bad. You know, wow, how, sure. does, how does that compare? So that, that's some of the, the tough things that occurred. And there's there's a lot in there, Dick, and, and thanks for sharing that because it, when it's not easy to air your stuff out for everybody, but when it comes down to the perseverance that you had, you didn't let any of that defeat you. You kept moving forward morally and ethically. You did the right thing. And on top of that, that's why I really like to consider you a real estate titan is it's not just production. It's not just overall longevity. It's doing the right thing, and it's not just when people are looking. So obviously that's a big portion of you know what you've just discussed and described in there. Um, I know that there's a lot of people that have dealt with hardships and heartaches, um, and then they can learn from these situations to know that, hey, we all got things we deal with. You can't overcome them and not let them defeat you. Look where you're at and look at all that you've accomplished with your family and your career and your life. Um, that's really good stuff. So thanks for sharing that, Dick, because I know that's not easy. Uh, so let's go into the next question, which I think it's my absolute favorite question, a little bit softer for everybody out there. Uh, if you could travel back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice or two, personally, professionally, what would you say to young Dick? Well, I would say, um, you know, we live in a fantastic place. We have had the ability over the years to travel all over the world, and there is absolutely nothing like this. Um, we have sat down with German friends at a table after the beer starts to come out. We start we start talking, and we have told them things like, "If we had an idea, the four of us, we could be in business the next day in the United States." Right. Germans, whom we think look like us, act like us, they have a you know, modern country and that sort of thing with sure. all the amenities and a, and a great economy, looked at us like we were absolutely crazy because they told us about the licenses that would have to be uh, gotten, about how the permission would have been asked of the state in order to do what they had to do. And so that's just one story to illustrate there's just nothing like this. So. Right. No matter what you do, you have a place where the sky is absolutely the limit. Wow. We've seen, I mean, Tyler Perry is a great example. Okay. Um, homeless. Hmm. And now he's got a three or four hundred million dollar net worth because he persevered, but he also lived in a country where that could happen. Sure. You would think that, gee, how's, how's Tyler Perry going to make it with that kind of upbringing, mm -hmm. that kind of background? He didn't. 
and part of that is our system. So I, I urge people to learn about this great country of ours, to learn what the Declaration of Independence is, to learn what the Constitution is all about, to do everything that they told you in college, do the opposite. Wow. <laughs> you heard it here first, everybody. Straight from Dick. Yeah, I mean, anymore it's a, it's a joke, and they're you know they're they're all they're all trying to, to give you a, their point of view. But you know, if you if you look at the, the the stories of people who have who've made it in this country, I mean, Bill Gates is a perfect example. Okay. You know, he went to college for a year, and he toiled. And I remember one story about him. He was um, he was in, in his office, and he, he was doing coding, I guess they call it, mm -hmm. and uh, writing code, and I guess for five or six days in a row. And he looked at it and he smelled it, and there was a, there was a woman who had been hired in the, the out, outer office, and he emerged from the office and just wondered, who are you? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm Bill Gates, you know. And, you know, this is the type of thing he had to do. See, it wasn't handed to him. And uh, Steve Jobs has this, a similar story, you know. A, a, a business in a garage. Mm -hmm. So, um, so advice would be, I mean, uh, develop as many skills as you can. Okay. I recently told a, a girl who had just graduated from uh, from a good engineering school, okay. Emory Riddle. Mm -hmm. She was having trouble finding a job because she had a 2.91 GPA, wow. and engineers must have a 3.0. Mm -hmm. I said, go work at McDonald's. What? She was aghast. I said, what is McDonald's? They take something that we can all do at home mm -hmm. and they make it on a mass scale and it's the same every time. Sure. And the reason to go work at McDonald's, even if you're only there three months, is you can see what systems mm -hmm. do. Wow. And if you can see the system, you can apply that to your own life. Mm -hmm. That's all McDonald's is. Look at Starbucks. Sure. It's a cup of coffee, you know. Right. It's, just, it's got a hot fudge sundae in it, but, but it's coffee. <laughs> it's a dessert and a yeah, cup, but you know. Exactly. People, people get to work and they, they've had the hot fudge sundae, they said, oh, I stopped for a cup of coffee. Right, right. Yeah, right. But so, you know, look around you and don't believe what people, uh, especially in the media, mm -hmm. I mean, these are liars, cheats, and thieves. Sure. Whatever they say um, is not going to be true about our country because they want to transform our company to a different system, mm -hmm. but the system still works. Right. It's amazing um, how well somebody can do with just applying themselves, just um, um, learning a lot of different skills. Okay. I mean, in 2009, this, this town's commercial real estate business was not very good. Right. So I, I wrote down on a, a legal pad, I put a line down the center, and I said, on this side, I'm going to list what are my skills. On this side, I'm going to list who will pay for those skills. Uh -huh. And it came down to um, uh, joining the senior golf tour, mm -hmm. but I didn't think I'd make it there. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never... <laughs> and I, I recalled something I had done as a sophomore in college, okay. and that was I used to edit master's theses. Mm. And um, I did it for five bucks a paper. And that skill is one that stays with you. It doesn't ever go. Mm -hmm. So I contacted, you know, my real estate income wasn't where it should be. Right. I contacted a local school here, University of the Rockies, mm -hmm. and they said, uh, 
come aboard, we could sure use you. And so I spent uh, a lot of time doing editing doctoral dissertations and master's theses okay. using a particular, the American Psychological Association style. And you know, we'd go to Europe and I'd be sitting there on a laptop at 2 o'clock in the morning editing, editing doctoral dissertations. And you know, $2,500 a month was what I earned doing that. Sure. And it really helped at yeah. the time in 2009. I mean, it's a mortgage payment. Right. So, um, so again, my recommendation would be to just learn everything you can. Don't be focused. Don't major mm -hmm. in this um, or minor in everything. I like that. I really um, do. I think that there's a lot to take away from, from all that information for everybody to see. Is uh, I think the first note is just appreciate our country really know and understand how lucky we are to live where we live and have what we have, but then continually to learn and grow, I think is crucial. And the, the top earners, and this ad is thrown around all the time, is learners are earners. So I think that that's very true, and this feeds into a wonderful portion of this uh, series and this episode is the feeding of the mind question, because I think that that's a really good tie into this. So books that you're reading or have read, podcasts you listen to, influencers on social media or you know, uh, community or public speakers, things like that. What are you feeding your mind, Dick, that really stands out to you that everybody else can kind of uh, dive into as well? Well, the one thing I've done for probably more than 50 years, I've always got five or six books going. I love it. My nightstand is a joke. Physical books, right? Yeah, actual okay. books, okay. yeah. I love Sorry. What a concept, everybody. What not, a concept. I'm not good at that. I have a nook, but... Ah, they're overrated. Work, how do you work it? I don't know, they're overrated. So I actually just finished a fascinating book called Let Trump Be Trump. Okay. I didn't know anything about Donald Trump. I didn't vote for him. I just, you know... And, and the two guys who were in his campaign from the beginning when he was a nobody, not a nobody in... In his field, by the way, he's a commercial real estate guy. Gosh. So we have one in the White House. That's right. Uh, <laughs> That's but uh, you know, when he politically mm -hmm. was a novice, right? And it's just fascinating that whole time. And it was just about the you know up to the time he took over as president. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be a fascinating book. Yeah. And very candid. Okay. And language and everything. All right. Um, Shoe Dog is a, is a really good book to okay. read. It's uh, written by Phil Knight, mm -hmm. and Phil is the guy who started a little company called Nike. Okay, just so, just a little one. And Shoe Dog, I mean, the battles, the battles over shoes worldwide were unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And you know, he didn't. He popped out, you know, late in life, and finally he looked at his wife and he said, hey, "We've got hundreds of millions of dollars," mm -hmm. and just had no idea. His head was down, mm -hmm. working. Uh, to, to make his shoe the best shoe. And he was a, an actual runner in college, which was great. Great way to do it. Okay. So, um, the, uh, the Source okay. by James Michener. Michener is an obscure author today, but he was kind of the inventor of the historical novel. And so, The Source is, a, is a, you know, 1,200 pages, but um, wow. it's worth it because it starts, um, it's archaeology really, hmm. looking at a town in Israel and, and going back layer after layer after layer and it tells the historical about those historical times back until you know to 2000 BC okay so fascinating thing to me um, the uh, 
I'm reading Shock Factor, okay. American Snipers in the War on Terror. A very unusual job okay. and um, very important in a time, you know, when I was in Vietnam, we were in the jungle. Sure. I, I pity those guys who have to go door to door in Afghanistan and Iraq in this day and age. Wow. But the snipers are an integral part of that okay. because they are above everything and they're able to help out the guys on the ground. Wow. So I find that to be an interesting book. Yeah. And then I just finished Douglas Murray's The Strange Death of Europe. Interesting. And The Strange Death of Europe is about how immigration basically has taken Europe and <laughs> set it back wow. um, because they opened the doors to uh, immigrants from everybody, everywhere. I don't want to get too political, but it's a, sure. it's a worthwhile book to read. Okay, and, and there's a lot there, to, and, and what's really neat about what you just mentioned is that it's from a lot of different areas, So, and, and you cultivating five books at a time and, and going through that, that's, that's really great. I mean, a lot of people, they say, gosh, where do you find time to do that? It, it becomes a passion. Once you start opening your mind to learning and expanding, you, you hunger for it, you thirst for it. Um, you know, everybody out there who's thinking, gosh, I can't do that, start with one book, right? Start with a chapter at a time, keep going, you know, do it to two a month and four a month and keep going. I mean, I, I've said this before on several different episodes, but Warren Buffett reads for eight hours a day. I mean, he's a billionaire, he can do what he wants, right? But constantly learning and growing is a really, really great thing. So I'm glad that you mentioned those. Just so everybody knows, as usual, I'm gonna have a list of all of those books um, in the comments below so you can read and follow along with what Dick is reading as well, which is really cool. Um, so when it comes down to this last question, Dick, and I think this is really important to know, this has been a phenomenal episode, tons of information for everybody to pull, but this will really uh, sum up you as a person, as a brand, as an individual. Um, what mantra do you live by or quote that really sums you up? What does that look like for Dick Riccardi? Well, the, the obvious one if you're a Christian is um, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Uh, not easy to do. Mm -hmm. um, but the one that I've used in my business career, especially in commercial real estate investing and in the estate planning part mm -hmm. of my career, has been an, an old Italian proverb that my grandfather taught us. Mm -hmm. Don't eat the chickens, eat the eggs. Wow. Don't eat the chicken, eat the eggs. Right, right. And so what does that mean? So you have a property mm -hmm. and it produces a certain amount of income each month. Okay. Keep that chicken alive. Mm -hmm. Keep it producing eggs. Live on just producing eggs. Okay. And our state plan is such now that we have seven commercial buildings mm -hmm. and we want those buildings to carry on into the future. My father came to me one day and he said, how do we handle succession? And I spent a year reading about how other people have handled succession. Wow. And the most poignant book I read on the subject was about the Hertz family, the Hertz Renicar family, okay. and how they did it the wrong way. Um, and the, and the, the, the other mantra is lump sums hurt people. So when people get lump sums in their hands, mm -hmm. they quickly dissipate. They quickly go through it, and, and then it's gone. Sure. So, you know, we're going to tell our grandchildren, so, wait a minute, when you die, we're not going to get this, this big sum of money now. Hmm. You're going to get eggs. Yeah. Maybe you can get a new car and make the monthly payments. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can go on a trip, but you're going to eat eggs. And if they ask, so where does the chicken go? It'll go to your grandkids. Hmm. And so, 
Don't eat the chicken, eat the eggs. Love it. Dick, that is a huge adage. That's so great. Summing up your brand and your morals, direction, your compass, everything that uh, exudes your legacy that you're leaving here, it's amazing. And um, I just want to thank you again for being on the show. It's been fantastic. You are officially a real estate titan in my book, my friend. So I want to say that. Thank you so much again, Dick. My I really appreciate it. This was awesome. So everybody, uh, thanks so much again for your time and attention. Really appreciate your support and love. Uh, again, every Tuesday, every Friday, live with a different real estate titan, a different location. Uh, so we will definitely catch you guys on the next live episode of Real Estate Titans. Take care.